0: Hey everyone, this is PJ and this is podcast number 28. Uh, Today I wanted to address a question that somebody asked me recently that I think would be a good thing to share with everyone because I think it's a question that might be on a lot of people's uh, minds as well. And the question is um, whether the Bible uh, talks about anything like the coronavirus. Uh, Is there anything uh, in the Bible that in some way even predicts something like the coronavirus? And uh, I want to give you, first, I want to give you a short answer and then uh, a longer explanation to that. Uh, the short answer I would like to give to this is yes. Uh, the Bible does talk about something like the coronavirus. And I would personally go as far as to say the Bible, in some ways, predicts something like the coronavirus. Okay, what do I mean by that? Where does the Bible talk about the coronavirus? Um, Nowhere explicitly. Nowhere does it mention the word coronavirus. But uh, in John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, Jesus says here that as long as we are in this world, we will have tribulation. And we're still in the same world. Um, and so why should we, in a sense, not expect this to be true? That, that we will continue in and out of season to be facing tribulation. In fact, uh, when we look at the Bible, we see that this has been true since Genesis 3. Uh, through Adam, sin entered the world, and the consequence of that was the cursedness of the ground. There was a physical ramification of the moral evil of turning against our Creator and our Maker. And so uh, God says to Adam that uh, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken uh, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So the the pronouncement of, of pain and suffering and, and death was not just on Adam, the individual, but on the whole land, the whole ground. And this was as early as Genesis 3. Um, And then throughout the the Bible, we also see the role that the enemy plays, that Satan plays as well. So in addition to our own fallenness, in addition to the cursedness of the ground, there is an an enemy who is um, trying to... uh, wreak havoc in this world and as it says in 2nd Corinthians 4 to continue to blind the minds of uh, unbelievers and keep them from seeing the light and in that passage it goes as far as to describe Satan as uh, a god of this world with a little G and that is to say uh, even though Satan no longer has dominance on this broken world because of what Jesus has done he does have influence he does influence uh, a lot of things in the world uh, john twelve thirty one also says Satan is the ruler of this world. Again, a, a limited ruler, a ruler on a short leash, a ruler who has been defeated um, and in a sense been been decapitated through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and yet still uh, trying to do as much damage until the fullness of the kingdom is here until Jesus fully returns but we're not there yet and therefore uh, it, it shouldn't surprise us that we still see the influence of evil of the evil one in this world and that's why we're taught to pray um, deliver us from the evil one and and we are to hold on to the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ who defeated this enemy uh, once and for all and promises to return and remove all of the enemy's influences, just as he had removed this dominance. And not only that, he will remove the curse that was on the ground by bringing to us a new land, a new kingdom. And that's why uh, this should not be a surprise to us. Uh, The Bible has always described the world as a utterly fallen place where the moral evil of rebelling against God and being separated from Him is translated and made visible through physical means, physical death, physical pain and suffering, uh, relational brokenness. So as it says in Romans 5, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, Sin came into the world. And... Uh, The coronavirus is is one physical manifestation of that great moral evil called sin. And so in Romans 8, it says, The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, that is God, who subjected it, in hope uh, that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom to the glory of the children of God. Uh, and it says in verse 22: For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption. Of our bodies so what is this groaning what is this futility that that creation is subjected to what does that look like it looks like COVID 19. and therefore we cry for this uh, restoration and uh, the new creation that god promises uh, with hope and so this has been the biblical description of the world biblical description of humanity and biblical uh, description of what our true hope is from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, And it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, uh, talking about the Old Testament saints, it says there, uh, they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So they didn't see the promise of God truly fulfilled, but they had to see it from afar while they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And then it says in verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one, a heavenly one. so this is very clearly telling us that the old testament saints their ultimate hope was not in uh, no longer being a physical stranger and physical exile in the physical land their ultimate longing was for a better country and that is a heavenly country and it says therefore at the end of verse 16 god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared for them a city a city he has prepared for them a city and what is a city we find out in revelation 21 uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords brings his city out of heaven down to earth. Uh, it says in chapter twenty one then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now notice it, says, it doesn't say here that the holy City was prepared down below by somehow we were no longer strangers and exiles here on earth, and Jesus comes and takes his throne. That's not what happens here. The earth passes away. The entire earth passes away. And the new city promised in, actually, all throughout the Old Testament and new, this forever eternal kingdom of God will come down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And that's the eternal city that all of God's people will dwell with God forever. And that's why he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And we have to cling to this promise because we are living in the former things. We are living with pain and with crying and with mourning. So we long for this eternal dwelling place with God. In fact, that has been the longing of God's people ever since the days of Moses, ever since the days of Adam and Eve. Because if you look at the promise as stated in Leviticus 26, it was, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. And that's exactly what God fulfills with his return, with the return of the king who brings his kingdom down to earth and brings the dwelling place of God to us. And this is the fulfillment of of God's promises. Um, and that's what we are to hope for and and long for. And the good news is that those of us who do not come under judgment or condemnation, because we have been united to Jesus Christ by faith, we get to enter into that rest, enter into that eternal kingdom forever. So it says in John five twenty four. truly, truly I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and he does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. See, this is the good news that we have to hold on to and we have to share with others. This is the good news that we have been charged to share with others in the Great Commission for us to be truly his disciples and to go and make disciples of all nations. And just as this was given to the the first Jewish Christians uh, who lived under the great persecution and, and great tribulation, yet did not give up on this mission, we are to live with this mission in mind and not give up. Now more than ever, we have to share this good news with those around us. And we have to prayerfully consider how we might go about doing that. Who can we share this with? And of course, a part of that is our devotion to the Word of God and the study of the Scriptures as well, just as the early saints did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We have to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching so that we can better share that with others. We have to devote ourselves to the whole counsel of God. So, does the Bible talk about the coronavirus? In a sense, yes, Uh, But more importantly, the Bible talks about how we are to live with or without a global pandemic. I hope our focus will be here, that in and out of season, our focus will be on holding fast to the good news of Jesus Christ and prayerfully, diligently sharing that good news with those God had placed within our influence that we will continue to be His disciples who make disciples, so that through us, His kingdom will be announced and made more visible until it is here in fullness. This is the mark of God's people. So let's, as a church, be marked by this, this very simple yet very hopeful uh, gospel. And let's gather together continually in worship, in fellowship, and and in growing in our discipleship so that we can focus on this goal. And when we look back on these these days down the road, Lord willing, we're, we're gonna be looking back on this years later, we can say we live then as we live now as disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray that for ourselves and let's pray that uh, for one another. Let me say a quick prayer. Father God, I pray that you would Give us courage that you would uh, encourage us so that we would take the gospel to those who need to hear it, to those who need to receive it and find hope through it. And that we would not lose heart in pursuing this uh, mission, going on this mission with you during this time. But help us to stay purposeful and focused on your kingdom and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I pray this for all of our church members, and also the, all the body members of the body of Christ all around the world. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.